0: Hey, Scribes and Scribblers. This episode is an interview with Kelly from Mountain of Ink. She's a prolific ink reviewer and blogger. You can find her on Instagram at Mountain of Ink, one word, and also www.mountainofink.com, where she publishes a new ink review every day. Sharon and I have mentioned Mountain of Ink many times before. She's one of the most consistent and reliable ink reviewers out there, usually when I'm putting together show notes for this podcast and I need a link to a ink, I can almost always find a review for it at Kelly's website. So it's from a position of love and admiration that we sought out this interview with Kelly. We hope you enjoy it.
1: So, hello, hello, scribes and scribblers. Today, we're talking about Fountain of Ink with Mountain of Ink. Kelly, hello there, Kelly. Hi, nice to be here. Good stuff. And I'm your host for today, Sharon. Hello. Uh, We're very happy today to have uh, Kelly join us for uh, just a casual chat around um, how she became Mountain of Ink and uh, her journey so far into fountain pens and ink. Uh, So maybe I'll hand this over to you. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and about your pen and ink journey? Sure. I'm
2: uh, based in the U.S. I'm a mom of three little kids and I work in uh, web design. And I started, let's see, I used my first fountain pen, I think, in 2015. So I've only been into pens for about five years. And I just started by learning brush lettering. Um, just with markers. And then as I was learning more, I realized I can't write a whole letter with these big markers. It would take me 12 pages just to write a basic letter. I need to find something that writes smaller. Mm. Um, And so I took to the internet to find what other options were out there. And I ran into Brian Goulet's videos about flex pens. Mm. And I went, that's it. I need a flex pen. Um, (laughs) And so my first fountain pen was a Noodler's Ahab. From the Goulet Pen Company. (laughs) Do you still have it? I do still have it. And I I placed the order and I bought one bottle of ink. And I thought, this is so much ink. I'm never going to need to buy another bottle. I just, (laughs) Diamine Marine, that's going to be it. (laughs) It'll last me forever and I'll never need another one. And then I used it for a few months. And I was like, oh, it's actually not great for my hand. It's pretty stiff. and. And, you know, maybe, maybe teal isn't the only color I need. Maybe I just need a basic black and then I'll be good. And I even told my husband, I just need a black ink and then I'll never buy another ink. That'll be it. <laughs> and he remembers me actually telling him that. And he'll remind me every once in a while. Do you remember when you said you'd only need one more bottle of black and then you were good for life, right? That was like 1500 inks to go. I'm like. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> yeah, I remember I said that, but I think I lied. <laughs> Um, and it just kind of kept going from there after I got my first Flex Pen. And Flex Pens are still one of my absolute favorite pens to use. I want all the Flex Pens.
1: <laughs> so what are you currently writing with today? Um, today, I've
2: actually been using a uh, just a Lamy Safari. I've been testing out a Kobe ink today. Okay. Um, it's uh, Kobe
1: number 23. 23. Uh, Nagata Blue. Okay, yep. One of the yeah. earlier ones.
2: Yeah, and it'll be a review that you'll see probably in three or four months. Um, wow. But that's the one that I'm playing with today. Yeah.
1: So I've got a Sailor. I'm not sure if that's coming up quite well. Um, so this is the Sailor Tenku Mugen, which is one of their sparkly resins. Um, and it's a Rialo. That's beautiful. Penthouse. So I've got a tray that I have at my desk where I've got all of the current um, obsessions that I have. And I must say, in Mm -hmm. the last eight months, I have not changed them quite a lot. And uh, this is going to sound really, really sacrilegious, but I am currently obsessed with (laughs) rollerballs. No, that's what I'm using. I'm using rollerball pens. I'm using the um, Lamy Swift rollerball pen as my... Um, pen that I'm actually just doodling with. But um, yeah, <laughs> <That's>
2: <laughs> it's been a tough
1: couple of months.
2: The other um, pen I have right now is the Papermate Mate Ink Joy Gel in 0.07. <laughs> That's the other one I'm using today. So I'm right there with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you mentioned that the um, ink that you're currently testing is going to come up in three to four months. So yes. you, You know, you must be doing a lot of ink testing because you keep such a consistent upload schedule. You know, how do you manage that and how far ahead do you actually plan?
2: Um, Well, right now I'm working. uh, Today we'll publish review number 1279. And the next ink I'm testing will be review 1428. Wow. So I'm working like 150 ink reviews ahead right now. Um, And that's part of how I keep my schedule going is I have to work months out. Cause sometimes, you know, if I get sick or whatever, I just don't have the energy to work on a review that day. So I have, it worked out quite far in advance. Mm. And then it's just less effort on the day I need to publish it.
1: Oh, wow. Do you ever get um, pen or ink fatigue? Sometimes,
2: sometimes I don't work on reviews for an ink or a week at a time. (laughs) Um, just because I'm kind of tired of it sometimes. I'm just, I feel kind of burnt out some days. And so I'm like, you know what? It's not important today. I'll just use the pen I want to use with whatever ink I feel like. And the review will work on it again tomorrow and it'll be fine. (laughs) Mm. I try not to make it too much of, if I make it too much into work, then I don't want to do it. And I'd like to keep going eventually to review all of the inks. And if I push myself too much into, forcing doing it. I won't make it there.
1: So at the moment, it's still uh, kind of a hobby or is it a little bit more structured than just a hobby?
2: Well, it started um, for a class I was taking.
1: Um, I was taking
2: a business class and he said, I want you to pitch me 20 different business ideas and then I get to pick the one that you do. And so I thought, you know, I'm into fountain pens right now. What if I do fountain pen reviewer kind of as a joke one? And so I had to do 20 different business plans and pitch them. And he said, mm. you know what? I'm picking fountain pens. You have two weeks to have a website up. And I said, oh, wow. are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really just pushed into doing it for this class. And honestly, if I had waited until I thought I was ready, I probably would have never actually started it. I really need that needed that push to get it going. Um, And then for this class, I had to publish consistent updates so many per week. And so I just kind of got in the habit of publishing every day or every other day for the first three months for this class. And then the class ended. And then my professor was like, you know, this could probably be your senior project, too. You know that. Right. And I was like, oh, that's an option. Well, let's just do that because I'm loving doing this and I feel like I'm getting a little bit better over time. So let's just keep going. And so I graduated in August of last year. And it just kind of slowly turned into something that I really love doing and plan to keep doing for quite a while.
1: Wow, that's um, absolutely amazing. How long was the actual class?
2: Um, It was 14 weeks, I think.
1: Okay. And so you had to publish consistently for the originally yeah. for the 14 weeks.
2: Okay. Yeah, you had to have I think four posts a week for every week.
1: And was it hard getting into that habit right in the beginning?
2: It was because I didn't have a consistent way of doing reviews yet. I was still kind of finding, what's the best way to photograph this? And I'm really not great with a camera yet. And just, oh, what's the best way to show sheen on a page? I don't know what the best lighting is for that. So at first it was really hard just because I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And just figuring out all of the little things took a
1: lot of time. And was at this the point that you decided on your Hobbit passage? (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) Kind of. For
1: a while, I was just
2: doing random quotes that I found on Pinterest or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I don't like hunting for all of these random quotes. I don't feel like there's enough of them. And my husband had just given me um, an illustrated edition of The Hobbit for my birthday, illustrated by Jemima Catlin. Mm -hmm. And it's just this beautiful edition of The Hobbit. And I went, you know what, that's been sitting on my desk and I've been meaning to reread it. Why don't I just start using that as my excerpts every day? And then I won't have to think about it. I'll just have an option and then I get to reread it too. And so I just started writing out a passage for every ink review. And then I've actually finished the entire Hobbit and I'm halfway through the Fellowship of the Ring now.
1: Wow, wow. And so do you write a passage from all of those? Because the only ones that I see published are basically that same little passage from The Hobbit, right?
2: Well, I started at the beginning of The Hobbit and I've written out the entire book. So I don't write the same thing twice.
1: Okay, right. Wow. And so now you're moving on to Fellowship of the Ring.
2: Yes, I'm about halfway through that. So The Hobbit took about seven notebooks Mm
1: -hmm. to write
2: the entire thing out. And I'm three notebooks into the Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. (laughs) You're going (laughs) to need a lot more notebooks. Yes, I'm going to need a lot more
1: your preferred notebooks. So I see you use the Taroko Enigma a fair bit.
2: Yes, that's my current favorite one right now because Tomo River Paper in 68 GSM is my all-time favorite right now. And I use it whenever I can. Um, And I love the Taroko Enigma. The owners of the company are wonderful, lovely people. And they ship here pretty quick and they're always really great quality. Other than that, any other preferences? Um, I also like the Taroko Breeze, Um, same company, yeah, it's thinner, but it has the page numbers written on it already. And I love that because I hate numbering pages. Mm -hmm. And for some projects, you really need a numbered notebook. Yeah, so I just love both of those. But other than that, I also love the Nanami Crossfield. It's the thinner paper, but again, just the same great quality.
1: Uh, have you found a difference with the Tomoe River paper with their manufacturing changing? Have I you have. Heard that? You have? The, the paper is just not quite the same.
2: Oh. It feathers just a little bit with some inks and the shading just isn't quite the same. And I'm so sad they changed it.
1: And which notebooks have you found that in? Because I did see a post very recently from Taroko where they said, um, we're not impacted yet because we're still working through old stock of Tomoe River paper. And likewise with Masubi, who've also said we've got old Tomoe River. I didn't see what the stance was in relation to Nanami. So I'm curious to see where your um which uh manufacturers are you having the new Tomoe River paper versus the old ones?
2: Um so I haven't found it on the Taroko ones yet. And I haven't noticed it in the Nainami. Um, but I did buy a pack, I made sure it was the new paper from the manufacturer, so the the branded Tomoe River notebooks. Those ones are definitely Well, the one I had was the new paper, but I made sure to ask when I bought it. Mm -hmm. I need to try the new paper and see what I'm dealing with here in my future because I do use Tomoy paper in every ink review I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to see just exactly what the difference was and I just wasn't quite as happy with it. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't used the old paper for years, you may not notice the difference quite as much, but the color just, doesn't seem quite as vibrant or as show as much shading and it just feathers just a little bit with the bigger nib, nibs depending on the ink. So mm. I kind of stocked up on some of my favorite notebooks when I found out. So I probably have 12 Taroko Enigmas on my shelf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hoping that it lasts me a little while because I love their notebooks so much.
1: Yeah. After all of this, I will show you a little quick insight into my notebook stash because I am um I'm obsessed with Midori, MD paper. Yes, that absolutely. Is, that's my go-to and I stocked up so much on Midori so the two bookshelves behind me. Uh, underneath they've all got storage and it's all just blank notebooks. I'm that Do you like
2: The regular paper or the cotton paper better? Cotton. I was so sad when they changed the sizing to the F sizes. I wish they had stayed with the more standard size, but
1: I love wow. that paper. I'm more than happy to send you a couple from my stash. I, when I heard they were being discontinued, I went wild. And um, so we're, you know, I'm in Australia and we're very close to Singapore. And Overjoyed is the best supplier for Australians because, um the shipping takes is is faster than getting something delivered from uh, another state, or it's even faster than getting something getting delivered locally. It takes about one day to, to get a delivery from Overjoyed in Singapore to Australia, and that's um, so fast. The they had a very large stock of the Midori cotton notebooks where um, I actually emailed them and I said, how much stock do you have left and would you be willing to sell me all of it?
2: <laughs> That's amazing. But I, if, if they did that to the Taroko notebooks, I would probably do the exact same thing where I just buy whatever they had left.
1: Mm. I'm a big fan of the Crossfield as well. Um, I mm. really quite like, I like the little crosses that they have. Um, so I'm really interested to actually try out the Masubi cross-grid notebooks as well because they've yes. got the new um the non-cover uh books I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what they call them I think they're, they're called the refills maybe the refill type ones yeah yeah and they've got the crosses there as well
2: yes I have some of them on my wish list as well because I would love to try their bank refills as well because I do love just the pads of bank paper that I Mm -hmm. buy from Van S Pens here in the US. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would love to see it in more of a notebook form Mm -hmm. because that paper does amazing things for super shader inks, like some of the sailor ink studios, like 123 looks totally different on bank paper. It kind of deadens any red tones and brings out blues and purples more. Mm -hmm. And it just looks totally different. And I just love how the, it looks different on different papers. Um, so I definitely need to get one of the cross-grid bank uh, notebooks to try from Misubi because they look so fun.
1: You've shared a fair bit about what you look for in inks because you've um, had a couple of uh, dedicated posts around um, the particular characteristics you enjoy being shading and sheen to a secondary degree. Uh, What about fountain pens? What do you look for when you pick up a new fountain pen? Do you ever kind of buy on a whim or do you ever specifically go out and hunt a fountain pen, uh, pick a fountain pen to match an ink? What's the thought process behind that?
2: Um, The first thing I look at is the size of the pen. My favorite
1: size is
2: between a Sailor Pro Gear standard and a Pelican M600 size. That's kind of my sweet spot is right in between those two sizes. Um, And so generally I look for pens that are in between that range. And I usually want the juiciest, broadest nib you can get. So with Sailor, I want a broad nib or a zoom nib And with Pelican, I want nothing smaller than a medium, medium or broad or double broad when you can find it. And then if it has a flex nib, I will pretty much use it no matter what size it is. because I have these um, vintage, maybe Todd Swans that are just these tiny, tiny little pens. They're just baby pens. Um, And yet because the nib is so amazing, I reach for them all the time. So either the size is quite right or the nib is just amazing enough to make me willing to go outside my favorite size range to use it. And sometimes I just fall in love with a material and I go, I have to have that. That material is just amazing. And it doesn't happen as often, but sometimes just it's all about the material. I have been on a sparkly pens kick lately, like the sailor pro gear shamrock and the pink sparkly one too i bought both of those just because they were so sparkly yes all of the the sailor sparkles are getting to me right now
1: Uh, this is one of the sailor precious aquamarine i think which is uh, i don't know if that's coming up on camera but it's actually a sparkly blue Rialo.
2: that's beautiful i love the sky blue color yeah
1: and it's actually got rose gold trim on it as well
2: yes that's perfect i like the rose gold trim that sailor has been doing lately like they just i saw on reddit they have a picture of the next round of shiki yori pro gears that's coming out and they all look like they have that rose rose gold trim with the 21 karat nibs and i kind of covered my eyes real quick because (laughs) i want all of them and there's like four of them
1: So my main gripe with Sailor, and listeners will know that I am absolutely obsessed with Sailor, and I went out of my way to collect many a Sailor. But um, my real gripe with the rose gold is that the nibs don't match the trim. So oh, the rose gold it. nibs don't match the trim. and I'm, So the um, gold on the actual nib is probably a little bit more yellow, and it's a bit darker than the rose gold trim. The rose gold trim is very pink. It's very, very pink. Mm-hmm. But the actual nib itself is um, more yellow. And it's really prominent with the. They did a white with rose gold trim and a 21 karat mm-hmm. nib. That nib is basically yellow. But oh, the trim is it. Pink. So That really my, bugs me.
2: I've had my eye on that pen for a while because that is a gorgeous pen. The white with the rose gold trim is a really classic pen. And I love the Sailor Pro Gear nibs with the 21 karat. It's just a beautiful pen, but that makes me so sad about the nib.
1: I would highly recommend that you actually see it in person before committing to it because I bought one. I bought one and I let it go pretty quickly because just the difference in the colouring of the nibs really got to me. Um, And in some of the special editions that you get from um, the – Uh, boutique stores in Japan the Sailor uh, laser etched nibs so not the stamped ones the normal stamped ones the laser etched nibs the coloring tends to be a little bit better so that's probably my little top tip around rose gold trim.
2: That's interesting I need to see some in person now because uh, I am I was very hesitant to try Sailor at first because I was so in love with Pelican. I love the Pelican M600, the size and the nib is beautiful. And I have been hunting slowly, getting all of the different finishes in the M600 line. Um, and then I tried a Sailor and I went, okay, the slim size is a bit small for me. Maybe I need yeah. to try the regular size. And then I tried one and then I went, I'm going to need one of these in every color and a broader Zoom nib, please. <laughs> and so like, I fell in love with the, Cur Azure from the cocktail series that came out for this year. Oh yeah, it's a blue one. Blue what? with kind of the yes. green ends. But then it only came to the US in a medium fine and medium nib. And I went, oh, if that had a broad nib, I would have insta bought that. But I ended up not buying one because it didn't have the nib I wanted.
1: It's fine. Buy the buy the um, pen with like a medium or medium fine nib. Go on whatever your preferred site is, and actually just get a regular sailor with the zoom or broad nib, and you can swap the nibs around.
2: I should just do that because that color was beautiful. It's yeah. such a summery color, and mm-hmm. it it's not super sparkly, but it does have just a little bit to it, and so I went. It's a beautiful pen. And I do love the size.
1: So I had um, insight or intel um, at one point that the Naginata Togi nibs were being discontinued in the regular um, sailor production. um, Or they were cutting back on the number of nibs they were being produced. So I went on an absolute buying spree. And all I bought were black and gold or black and rhodium. Sailor, what were they? They were the profits with the Mm -hmm. Naginata Togi nibs. I probably bought about 10 of them in one go. And I just started swapping the nibs out. I swapped Naginata Togi nibs onto pretty much all of my special edition Sailors. And then I ended up reselling all of the black and regular trim um, Sailors. Because I just wanted them for the nib. I didn't actually care what the body looked like. Yeah. So I have now a fair few Naginata togi nibs stashed away purely because I went a little bit Naginata crazy.
2: (laughs) That's such a great idea, though. Don't you hate it when they discontinue your favorite things? Like, Then you just have to, I kind of go crazy when they discontinue things that I've fallen in love with. Um, What What did you stock up on? Well, when I found out they weren't going to make the Nainami Crossfield again for a while. They kind of let it lapse in production for a year or two. I went a little crazy and bought quite a few of those. Um, And I was very glad I did it because I use a lot of that paper just in testing inks for reviews. Mm. Um, And so I used them up rather quickly and I wish I had bought 10 times what I did. But when limited edition inks come out And I try it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in love. I wish I would have bought 10 bottles of this. (laughs) Like, um, KWZ Butterscotch was Mm -hmm. the Meet Me in St. Louis um, pen show ink for Mm -hmm. 2019, I think. Mm -hmm. And that ink, I tried it, and I just fell in love. And I managed to get my hand on one bottle. But, man, I wish I had 15 bottles of that stuff because it is beautiful. And every time – well, like once a month, I'll get an email saying, Where can I find this ink? And I'll say, I wish I could tell you, but they don't, <laughs> it was a limited edition and mm. you can't find it anywhere. But maybe someday they'll release it in the regular line. But it's just yeah. so sad when they get rid of my favorite things.
1: Uh, you mentioned earlier that you were on a quest to hunt down all of the M600s. Um, yes. How far back are you going and are you including the, like the M620s though? So the city series.
2: I haven't gotten that far right now. I've been trying to make sure that I'm getting all of the, um, the limited editions for each year and then I'm the slowly going back. So I have the turquoise and the violet from the white series, as well as the white transparent. Um yeah which is probably one of my favorites, just because no matter what ink I put it in, it always matches.
1: Me too. And And that one copped a lot of flack online
2: in that a lot of people
1: didn't like it.
2: Yeah. And then people said, well, it's going to stain it. And I said, guys, I've put every ink you can think Mm of in this pen and they have all washed out. I mean, one red ink took one cycle through the ultrasonic to get it clean, but it came right out. I've had no problems with staining. So when I saw last week that they're coming out with the 405 version, I said, oh, I'm going to have to buy that one too, just because I love the finish so much. (laughs) But yeah, so I have the white transparent and the violet and the turquoise. I'm still hunting for the pink. I found it last year at the San Francisco pen show, mm-hmm. but the seller wanted $1,200 for it oh. and I kind of wanted to squeal. And I just said, you want how much for that pen? Like, yes, this is on my absolute wish list, but I'm not willing to pay, you know, three, four times what it was available for. Um, but the pink came out right when I was getting into fountain pens and I had said, there's no way I'll ever pay that much for a pen. And <laughs> Of course, looking back, I call myself a liar. But at the time I just said, there's just no way I'm still at like the $20 pen point. And it's one of those pens that got away that someday I'll be able to find and add to my collection. Um, But I also have like the M600 Vibrant Orange that came out recently. And then I was able to find a Vibrant Green from a few years ago, I found it used. um, And I love finding used pens. Um, and so it it had an extra fine nib in it and I said I don't care I will find a different nib to swap into it I just want that pen because it it needs to be in my collection of M600s because I use them so much they're kind of my everyday writers Um, and so someday I will find some of the other finishes besides the pink but I'm really focused on that pink one right now.
1: What about the M600 white tortoise?
2: I have yet to be able to find that
1: one. I have the M400
2: White Tortoise, Mm -hmm. but I don't have it in the 600 size yet. And when I find one, I will rather quickly snap it up if I can. Um, But that's definitely on my wish list.
1: So I was, I've been into fountain pens for a very, very long time. Um, But I actually took a hiatus for a good seven, eight years, like a very quite a long time and the m400 white tortoise was one of my first i think it may have actually been my first gold nib pen um and it was right when the m400 white tortoise was first released it was released and if you go back to fountain pen network you'll see all of the reviews at the time absolutely slamming it because um, Mm -hmm. the cap was cracking constantly yes my first m400 has now been Well, it's no longer my first M400. It's been replaced in its entirety. I've had the barrel replaced. I've had the cap replaced twice. Um, And I think I've even had the nib replaced on it. So I still have the pen, but it's just not quite the same pen anymore. It was the first pen I just completely fell in love with. And after I came back from hiatus, which was about 2015 as well, actually, I um, found out that they had just done – or maybe not just, but they'd done a special edition run of the M600 in the tortoise material, and I went absolutely nuts. And I was like, I have to have this pen. This pen has so much sentimental meaning to me, and it is my dream pen. It's my grail pen. And I went on this hunt, um, and at the time I paid a whopping 580 USD for one of those. And at the, at the time, I was just like, "Oh, that's a lot of money to spend on uh-huh. a Pelican M600, right?" But I, you know, bit the bullet. I bought it, and I've never looked back since. So it was uh, new in box still. It was new in box. It had never been used, um, and it was the first pen purchase I made after I got out of hiatus. And that I was, and now I'm so glad that I did bite the bullet on it because it's near impossible to find now
2: yes absolutely um it was probably my fourth gold nib or so the m400 white tortoise and i had just gotten it and i was so proud of it and i took it to our local local pen club in seattle and matt armstrong from the pen habit he picked it up and said kelly what are you doing with the ugly caesar's palace pen (laughs) and i said are you kidding me i just bought that pen and i love it so much And he said kelly this is ugly what are you doing caesar's palace pen yes there's this caesar's palace hotel in las vegas yeah and it's all kind of goldish and greenish and he said this is the ugly pen what are you doing and i said i love the nib and it's white and it's gold and i just it kind of passed my heart a little bit um and yeah he insulted one one of my pens and i was like matt i don't think we can be friends anymore i think we need to take a break here for
1: a minute <laughs> i do have the pink m600 i had two of them uh, i have a bad habit where i buy backups of all my favorite things and i bought two of the pink m600s and one must have been about two years ago there was uh, someone from uh one of the fountain pen groups messaged me constantly for about a good two months. Every week I got a consistent message saying, sell me this pen, sell me this pen, sell me this pen. <laughs> and I'm one of those people, if you hassle enough, I'll cave in eventually. I'm not very good at saying no. And after about, uh, yeah, probably a month or two of consistent messaging and consistent like nagging, I just said, okay, fine, take it, take it. Um, yeah, but I did. I did have two of them. There are quite a few of them floating around in the sydney uh, pen group
2: oh wow maybe i need to get on there because someday i will find that pen but i absolutely understand buying a backup of your favorite pen i have my m605 white transparent and one day it had rolled off my desk behind my desk and i went where's my favorite pen and it was missing for about two weeks until my toddler reached back behind the desk and pulled it out and i went oh my gosh, I was almost going to buy a second one of those because I loved it so much. And then I thought, maybe I should buy a second one anyway, just, just in case, because I love this pen so much. Mm. And if I found it used for a good price, I might actually buy a second one just because I love it that much. But I'm definitely going to have to get the M400 size as well,
1: just so <laughs> they can match together. Since you like that size of pen, have you ever tried the Aurora Optima?
2: I haven't. I have had one on my wish list for quite a while, Um, but I have yet to try an Aurora in person. Um, And I wanted to try their nibs in person just because they are definitely on the pricier side Um, and just see what nib size I would want to buy before I kind of spring for one since they're so expensive.
1: So the sizing of that, if um, you like the Pro Gear Standard plus the M600, it is basically that size. The nibs are... I would say actually in between the Pro Gear and the M600, so it's got okay. a bit of tooth to them, but um, some they're smoother than the Sailor nibs. Okay, and they also do a flex nib, which isn't that great.
2: Oh, <laughs> sad why. you say flex n- nib, not, nib and I get all excited.
1: It's not that flexy. It's not that flexy. It's a soft. It's very very um, wet nib. It's a, it's like the wettest of all of the flex nibs that are out there. There are no ink flow issues at all with them.
2: That's good to know. Maybe I'll have to take a second look at
1: maybe get one of those soon. Um, so I ha- I think I still have one, actually. I might still have one. And um, it just kind of gushes ink. And it's a fine flex. It writes like a broad. I'm not going to lie. It writes <laughs> like a broad, unflexed. And when you flex it, it kind of just spits ink out onto a page. It's not my preferred type of nib, but it's not a bad nib it works really well. You're never gonna get railroading issues with it, Um, but it's probably a little bit too wet for my liking.
2: Yeah, it's hard for me to find a nib that's too wet for me, but there have been occasional pen and ink combos that were just too wet for me to try. Like um, I had a Conklin DuraGraph Broad with Noodler's Legal Blue, and it just was burping ink out onto the page, every few letters. And it just, I couldn't do it. There is a limit to how wet you can go, but 90% of the time I'm good with it.
1: So do you have a favorite ink manufacturer? And if so, who is it? Am I only allowed to have one? We'll give you three. How about five? (laughs) Okay. You drive a hard bike.
2: (laughs) So five, first I would say sailor. But in that, I would include all the brands also made by Sailor, like Kobe and Bunku Box and Penthouse, because they all are the same manufacturer. Um, and then Pilot, because I love Pilot Orochizuku inks. They are kind of become the gold standard for a lot of people. They are just smooth and reliable, and they work so well in most pens. Um, Diamine. I love how many colors they have. And I love suggesting that brand to newbies because they're so affordable. Like if you buy from Colt Pens, you can get a bottle for under two U.S. dollars. So it's a great entry level for brand new people who want to try a bunch of different colors. I'll say, oh, go try out these five different colors from Colt Pens and it'll be under $10. um, Just so they can try a lot of new things. Um, Robert Oster has become one of my all-time favorites. He has all of the fun colors and he's even gotten into shading and sheen and shimmer and he kind of has a little bit of everything. Um, And then last, I would say Monteverde. It's one of those that isn't talked about very often, but I feel like a lot of their inks are very smooth and they have a lot of great color options that I love that they come out with different like 10 color collections every few years. They're just well-performed. And they did have kind of a mold issue about a year and a year and a half ago, but they absolutely stood up and said, hey, we found this problem. We're replacing everybody's ink. Here's what we're doing at the factory to deal with it. I feel like they handled it customer service wise so wonderfully, that it just made me love the brand a little bit more.
1: So out of all the ones that you've picked, aside from the Pilot Iroshizuku, Shizuku, all of these uh, four other brands, are very well known for their very, very large ranges of inks. Is that what you look for in uh, an ink manufacturer or do you look more for, like, consistency? Because um, some think- of these uh, these manufacturers have had some real bombs. Like, there are some colours in these ranges which I look at and I just go, why?
2: <laughs> yes. Why? Um, some of them... I look for, like, Sailor and Monteverde because they tend to be very smooth, wet inks. Mm -hmm. Um, And from color to color, they have kind of a consistent flow to most of them. It's rare that I try a Sailor ink and go, oh, that's really dry. That doesn't happen very often at all. Um, And then Robert Oster and Diamine, I would say, are more kind of average flowers. They do have the occasional dry one. I, I don't know. I love the color options, but I also love that they're available pretty much in every country. If you go to Australia or the US, you can find kind of all of these brands usually widely available. Um, yeah. Cause there are some specific brands like Ink Institute that I've been playing with lately. Those can be really hard to find in a lot of countries. That's why I love places like Shigai or Inks for bringing in inks that I would never have been able to try because it's just not a common U.S. brand, and V&S is well known for that as well. Bringing in a lot of new ink options that I can't get anywhere else.
1: So, of your top five, I'd only share two, which is the Sailor and the Pilot. Pilot's my gold standard. I collected Iroshizuku when they were releasing them every single season. So, I, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but Iroshizuku was initially released by seasons. So, they released eight. no sorry six colors because it's 24 inks they released six colors one per season and the first release that they did was just all blue inks it was all blue and it was so bizarre at the time because no other ink manufacturer or no other brand had done an entire collection with just one color and it was various shades of blue um it was such a hot commodity at that point where you had to pre-order like months in advance. And the craziest thing I had done because I was so desperate to get Pilot Iro Shizuku, was the only place I could find it took PayPal, but only took PayPal, uh, they didn't take PayPal credit cards. So you had to have a PayPal balance. So I went on FPN and I sold a Pelican M800 for like less than 200 USD because I needed enough money in my (laughs) PayPal balance to pre-order and pay for Pilot Eroshizuku inks.
2: That's so interesting. I had no idea about that. Like I knew that Sailor has done like the four seasons and like two spring inks, two summer inks, two fall and winter. And I knew that they've done that like three separate times, but I didn't know that Pilot had done that. That's so interesting. Um, that's before my time of getting into pens and like you said it was new for them to do a collection of blue inks but mont blanc did a collection of two of all blue inks last year and everybody was like seriously all blue inks like you couldn't come up with a better combination than that
1: (laughs) yeah pilot had done it 12 years ago 10 Uh, 10 or 11 years ago i think they came out in 2008 the first round of Iro Shizuku. so they did the blues which I think was the spring edition and then I remember very vividly the time when they came out with um Yuyake, Momiji, um what was the other one Tsukiji all of the like the pinks and the browns and mm-hmm. um, that was the fall season
2: I well and those that. inks are perfect for fall yeah. like Yuyake it's just beautiful in the fall time And a lot of other ink companies have kind of picked up on the seasonal aspect. Like Ferris Wheel Press has now started doing one collection per season. Like they have a spring for 2020 and it's very pale, unsaturated pastel colors like Cream of Earl Grey and Little Robinia. Um, They're so light, which perfect for the springtime. And then they came out with the summer. And now I think they're working on a fall one. So I feel like that seasonal thing is kind of picking up. Um, which is what I love to do with my ink palettes is I love to do based on the seasons. Um, But I love that companies are kind of picking up on that, that we do change with the seasons and look for different colors.
1: How do you pick the images for your ink palettes? Because I think your ink palettes are all stem from a particular image that you share. And um, yeah, how do you pick those images?
2: Uh, Sometimes I will just find one on the internet that I love, and I will contact the creator and say, you know, can I buy this image? And sometimes I just take the photo myself. Um, So it's kind of been a mix of both, but it's just something that I, for some reason, fall in love with the picture. And then just say, you know what, that would be a fabulous ink palette. Let's pull out some of the tones from it and match some inks. And I feel like it's become more popular in the last year to do that, to make more ink palettes, because I've seen it more on Instagram um, with different users. Um, I I don't know. I just think it's something fun and it's a way to keep ink interesting and reach for inks that you've kind of forgotten about. Mm. Because sometimes I'll kind of forget an ink is in my ink cabinet until I do an ink palette. And then I went, oh, my gosh, I love that ink and I haven't used it in quite a while. I absolutely need to try that again and it would be perfect for this one.
1: Speaking of your ink cabinet, how do you store all of the inks and do you, what's the split between sample sizes and actual bottles that you have?
2: Oh boy. Um, I probably, (laughs) (laughs) um, well, there are over 1,800 inks in my house right now. It's a lot. It's, it's pretty bad. (laughs) Um, And my husband doesn't even comment anymore. He just, okay, sure. (laughs) He just, all right. Um, But I have them in the Ikea Alex nine drawers. I have two of them next to each other. And then I tend to do one, one or two drawers per brand, depending on how many I have of that brand. Um, But I probably have, I don't know, it's like 500 bottles and probably 1300 samples so it, it is a lot more on the sample side than on the bottle size, um, which is good because I probably could fill three bathtubs worth of ink and probably have a a little bit left over.
1: <laughs> so I have about probably just under 300 bottles, maybe about 300 bottles of ink. And I did the maths on it at one point. And I think it would take me like a couple of hundred years to finish all the ink at the rate that I use them because I use fine or extra fine nips only oh wow that would
2: take you a long time
1: I go through about two bottles of ink a year consistently so I go through a bottle of aurora black and usually a blue ink every single year but
2: I'm so proud of you for actually using a full bottle because that's never happened to me I have yet to use a full bottle of one ink because I'm changing my ink so often. So that's fabulous that you actually make it to the bottom of one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So now when you get a new ink, do you usually pick up a sample and then decide to get a bottle? Or how how do you how do you make that choice?
2: Um, If I look at the ink and say, I know I'm going to love that or it's a limited edition and there's a 90% chance that I'll love it, then I buy a, fo- a full bottle. Other than that, most of the time, I just buy samples. Like when Sailor Manual, Haha, and Nekoyanagi mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. I just looked at the pictures and went, I'm going to love those. I'm going to get a full bottle. But then I looked at some of the others in the same Sailor Manual line that just weren't quite as exciting. And I said, you know what, I'll buy just a sample of those because I'm not Positive, I will love them. Mm-hmm. But then, like, if I'll go to a pen show and there's a limited edition um, show ink, like if Papier Plume has a new show ink out, I just immediately will buy a full bottle because I know as soon as the show ends, I won't be able to get it anymore. And there have been some show inks like Papier Plume uh, Lake Michigan Summer that I wish it's another one of those. LE inks that I wish I could have 10 models of because it's just beautiful. Yeah. LE comes to get me again.
1: <laughs> I, I chased LE sailors for a while. And I chased them to the point where I was flying over to Japan for long weekends. That, we have long weekends uh, as public holidays here quite a lot. Most of our public holidays are attached onto a weekend. And we're close enough that we can fly over on, say, a Thursday night and be back into work mid-morning on a Monday. So I was doing that to chase certain Sailor inks. There was one where the new Ginza 6 Sutaya bookstore, when that Sutaya bookstore first opened, I saw on Facebook that they were releasing 300 of three different colour inks. Just it. That was it. And I booked myself a ticket. I flew over. (laughs) And I went and got myself some ink. That's amazing amongst though. Other things, amongst other things, but um, I felt like I needed a break anyway, but I just so happened to have caught that exact launch.
2: That's amazing. I've been tempted sometimes when I go, oh, they're doing one of the ink studio mixing events. Like that's on my bucket list to make it to one of those ink mixing events, just so I can get my own custom ink made. I have no <laughs> idea what color it would be because I have so many beautiful colors already in my ink cabinet, but. Someday I will make it, absolutely. <laughs>
1: um, with having seen so many different types of inks, what do you think are your top ink predictions for 2021? Because 2020 is a write-off.
2: <laughs> yes, 2020, it doesn't count anymore. Um, I really think we're going to see a lot more of the, some people call them chromo shaders, some people call them dual shaders, where like Sailor Ink Studio 123, it's a gray ink, that shades to purple and green I think we're going to see a lot more of that because kind of like some of the other ink trends we've seen one company did it and then all of a sudden we're seeing it from two and three other companies and I think more people are going to pick up on that and the pastel inks have become a lot more popular lately as well Um, just the real pale unsaturated because those are the colors that seem to do the multi-shading the best so even if we don't see a lot of other shaders. I think pastel inks are going to have kind of another day for a while. Um, but there have been definite trends. First, we had the shimmer and everybody got the shimmer and then the monster Shane, um, started by organic studio and then everybody kind of had to pick it up. Diamine has theirs and KWZ has theirs now. And I, I think shading is going to be the one we're kind of in right now. Um, and eventually i think we'll circle back around to just kind of some standard inks that don't shade or sheen but are more office appropriate i think just really good consistent inks because there are so many inks that change based on paper like i always thought waterman was the most basic ink out there until i put it on tomoe river and <laughs> things like serenity blue will still sheen but nobody ever knew that until tomoe river paper came out and then all of a sudden oh this really old ink has actually some pretty amazing properties if you just change the paper um so i think eventually we'll kind of circle back around to more just consistent colors again but i think shading is going to be a thing for quite a while which is great because shading is my favorite
1: (laughs) so waterman tender purple has got the most amazing green sheen
2: it is beautiful and it it kind of reminds me of um, Cross Violet as well. Yes. Where it's kind of that similar purple with a little bit of greenish gold, which people are always looking for that ink because it's kind of a passable substitute for Lamy Dark Lilac, um, which people are always asking about. That is like the one ink that a lot of people miss out on it. Everybody regrets not buying it at the time.
1: One of our fellow uh, pod co-hosts, occasional guest, occasional co-host, Brian, managed to source uh, Lamy Dark Violet from some unknown little pen shop in Indonesia, I think it was. And he bought about, I would say, a good 10, 20 bottles of it that they had stashed. Wow, that is crazy lucky that he found some. Yeah. And it was really interesting here because the year after Dark Lilac, they had petrol. Mm -hmm. And I saw there was a real big juxtaposition because in the US, everyone was going wild over petrol and no one could get it. In Australia, we had excess petrol. They were selling petrol at half price because it would not sell. And we just didn't like it that much. And the whole time, I was like, why why is why are the tastes so different? Because mm-hmm. in Australia, you were getting you were getting free bottle of petrol if you bought a safari at one point. Wow. They were just they were kind of like almost giving it away. Because I bought two bottles of petrol at I think it was like seven dollars a bottle. Um, which is you know, a lot cheaper than what Lamy is normally in Australia. Normally it's about twenty to twenty Australian dollars. But yeah, it was so different. I think maybe the demand was uh, higher in the U.S. and the supply was low, something like that. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. I got into pens right as Lot Me dark Lilac was being phased out. So I managed to get a rollerball pen. And then a friend sent me a sample of the ink because I couldn't find it by the time I was interested in it. So I just have a sample and then a, f- a different friend sent me a box of cartridges. So I have just a tiny bit of Lamy Dark Lilac. And I wish I had a full bottle and maybe someday I'll find one. But there are some inks that have been super hard to find like that that I end up hating. Like um, uh, Parker. Parker. Penman. Parker Penman was so (laughs) famous for some of their inks. And then I tried them and I'm like, guys, I'm so sorry. I don't like it. (laughs) Me neither. Um, Yeah, they're they're sapphire blue. Mm Mm-hmm was so popular and I reviewed it and I'm like, guys, this ink is terrible. Why is this so popular? I like, and a bottle will go for up to $500 in the US on eBay. And I went, guys, have you actually tried this ink? Because it's terrible, like, Mm -hmm. and I, that was like one of my number one unpopular opinions that I put (laughs) out there, Um, was just that everybody loves this ink and I absolutely hated it.
1: I also think that a lot of the bottles of uh, Penman, uh, probably not so much sapphire, but definitely the red, uh, what do they call it? Is it the mocha, the brown and the red that they had? The ruby.
2: Yeah, I have a bottle of ruby.
1: They've actually changed with time. Because obviously these inks came out in the early 90s. I think Mm -hmm. it was early 90s. And I reckon some of them have changed colors because I've seen ruby like three different types of colours for ruby. Mm-hmm. I think it's just aged very well. And sometimes I always wonder whether uh, Parker Penman Sapphire has lost its vibrancy over time. Because I had a bottle probably about well, 15 years ago and mm-hmm. I remember it being the best thing ever. But I got a bottle maybe about oh, seven years ago and it just wasn't the same. Maybe I've changed since then, but – I don't know. I'm a bit over the hype around Penman Sapphire as well.
2: Yeah. Well, and I've noticed so I've tried inks that are over 100 years old um, just because I wanted to see what happened to the inks over time. And in red inks, a lot of the dyes actually change color over time. So if it started as a vibrant red, it is now like a dark hot pink. Um, And so I wonder if that's part of what Parker did with Ruby is that the the dyes kind of broke down a little bit in the reds and turned more pink and brown just from age. Um, and that's, I wonder a little bit about some of the inks in my ink cabinet, will they do that over time? Because some of them I love and I'm saving them and using them so sparingly, but also there's a chance that over time they could break down and change and I will be so sad. <laughs>
1: I recently dug out a notebook that I had from maybe about 10 years ago and um, I noticed that my favorite Waterman Serenity blue, which was basically all I used 10 years ago, um, had turned on paper, had turned into this really murky um, aqua. So it was greenish blue. It had turned into this greenish blue color. And that really surprised me. Because it had been stored the entire time. Mm -hmm. It's not not like I was leaving it out in the sun. It had been in storage, but when I reopened the notebook, it was no longer blue. It was basically green.
2: Right, and there are some inks that do change on paper like that. Like, I've done swabs a few years ago, and if I go back and look at some of my swabs now, I go, wait a second, I'm going to check my review because I know it wasn't that color two years ago when I did it. And, like, um, Califolio olive started out as this beautiful beautiful olive green and now it's this weird murky brown and krishna peacock started out this beautiful aqua color and now it's kind of just a flat and sad blue so (laughs) some inks even on paper do kind of break down over time and change their colors and it makes me so sad to see it and i always wonder should i go back and edit my review but then i think I would never get any of them, any new ones made if I started going back and changing all of my old ones. I would never get new ones done because I'd always be wanting to change and update things. Um, I mean,
1: that would be a pretty cool, like, feature. Not necessarily cha- um, doing updating every single review, but say, you know, three years on, what were the biggest surprises in terms of how inks have aged?
2: Right. Maybe I should do that um and i thought about going back and reviewing a few like noodlers black has a cult-like following and Mm -hmm. i get emails about noodlers black every single week because i reviewed it and said guys this is actually more like dark gray and i don't really like it and i have (laughs) gotten the weirdest suggestions well did you try shaking it did you try (laughs) using it in this pen did you try it in this specific paper and Sometimes I was like, do you want me to try, you know, writing upside down on a Thursday on in October with a full moon? Like, what do you want from me? This ink should just behave as an ink. I'm not going to, you know, go three extra miles to make this ink work if it doesn't work in standard settings. Um, but there are sometimes just inks just don't work for me no matter what I do. And I kind of just have to say, OK, I'm putting this bottle down and I'm walking away. And... <laughs> You know, maybe I'll give it away eventually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I have done that. I've taken a few um, bottles of ink to the local pen club and said, guys, just take these ink away from me. I I don't need them anymore. Um, And it's lovely to go see all the pen people close Mm. um, and see what they're liking right now. But it's a great way to also get rid of stuff that I don't need anymore.
1: We had one pen meet in Sydney where someone brought Parker Quink to give away. And when we left the pen meet, it was still on the table. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was black or blue black. It was one of the really, really sad ones. (laughs) And you couldn't even give it away.
2: Yes. um, Noodler's house divided. Nobody wants that ink. (laughs)
1: Like
2: it is literally the worst ink I've ever tried in my life. And, I would literally just dump the bottle down the drain because it's that bad.
1: So if that's the worst ink you've ever tried, what's the best ink you've ever tried?
2: Oh, man, that's so hard. There are so many
1: inks that I absolutely am in love with. Um, Just one that comes to mind. Just one. Um, You have a lot of top top inks on your blog, which go on for pages. Yes, (laughs) I do five to 10 inks in every single color.
2: Um, right now I'm pretty obsessed with platinum carbon black. It is just a great standard black that works on all of the papers and it flows really nicely and it's pigmented. So it's pretty water resistant. And I just find myself reaching for that ink just as a great standard everyday black. And I use that ink a lot. And if I was to empty a bottle of ink, that would probably be the first one that will go.
1: Good call, good call. We had a um, a wish from one of our um, Fountain Pens Oceania members who asked, please, 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 can you review some Van Diemen's inks?
2: I have some in my drawer, actually, some samples that I got recently. Um, And so that will be coming, I mean, in a few months, because I am (laughs) working a few months out right now. Um, But it will be happening probably in the next six months or so. But I have probably 14 to 20 samples that I'm working on of Van Diemen's. Um, It's a pretty new brand to me, but I am working on that. Yeah.
1: Good stuff. And so with pretty much all of our episodes, we like to put in a, not necessarily a stationary fountain pen or ink recommendation. Do you have anything that you're currently uh, loving that's non-stationary uh, related that you can recommend for our listeners?
2: Um, I love to cook. And so I try a lot of different cookbooks. And right now I'm loving the Half Baked Harvest cookbook by Tegan Gerard. She does all of her own photography, as well as coming up with all of the recipes herself. And every single recipe I have tried from this book is not only beautiful photography, but it tastes amazing. Um, so I would absolutely recommend that cookbook to anyone to try the especially the pizza and the pasta recipes have been fabulous.
1: And what about a stationary um, related recommendation? Do you have any?
2: Um, I have been really surprised by the Esterbrook Estee recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought it in the lilac and then it came out in the maraschino cherry red. And I actually love both of them. They're kind of a little outside my preferred shape since I usually like flat top pens more than more cigar shaped pens. Um, so it wasn't quite what I thought it would be. And then I tried it in person and went. Oh, this is actually pretty amazing, and that they tune the nib beautifully. So, that would be one that I would recommend that everybody at least try once is the Esterbrook SD.
1: So, I recently picked up another Midori MD. They've come out with a 365 day dot grid notebook, which I am all over. So, it's like that, double the size of their normal notebooks. And they've got the perforated edges on the side so that you can actually pull the edge off every time you've finished a page. So it's easy to go to your latest page. You don't need a bookmark.
2: That sounds amazing. I should absolutely get one of those to try.
1: Yeah. So that's my recent obsession. Um, I've picked up two of them and I reckon I'm probably about a third of the way through one of them. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for your time and all of your insight. It's been fantastic. I've loved having this chat.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This has been great.
0: Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Oceania. Our producer this episode was Sharon Zah. Recording and editing was done by Sharon Zah and Diana Die. Special guest was Kelly from Mountain of Ink. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith. The artwork by Melissa Graf. Thanks for listening.